0: Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration?
1: Somewhere between science and superstition. We have such sights
2: to show you. Strange eons. Welcome to Eons Radio. That is Eric over there. Hello, it is. That's Vanessa over there.
1: Hi. (laughs) Hello.
2: (laughs) No, I'm not. so weird. (laughs) Uh, I'm Kelly. Hey, normally I go into some kind of jag about, you know, something that happened over the week or something. This one's going to be movie or series related, I guess, but I'm getting fucking tired of Titans. Big time.
0: Oh, are you? I haven't watched the last episode. It's not good.
2: It's just they're not doing a good job of telling the story because they've got 16 storylines going on and there's not enough time spent on any of this stuff. And fucking Blackfire, who was a pretty, um, pretty big, bad villain for the Titans has turned into kind of like the spoiled princess that, you know, they're taking <laughs> care of in the, in the mansion and right. all this shit. And then look, I'll say this, and I'm old, my memory is going. And so when Jason Todd got killed by the Joker at the beginning of the season, I didn't really wonder where Batman was and why Batman is not a part of this and all this stuff. And I kind of remembered then that at the end of season one, I think it was, uh, Batman killed the Joker. Did he? Uh, yeah, see? Oh. Huh. And I and then I was like, oh shit. So then the reason he did that was because the Joker killed Jason Todd and, mm-hmm. and that's all starting to kind of come back to me now. And I'm like, okay, the problem with this, they've moved the Titans to Gotham. Right. And this is now very Batman centric.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: and, you know, it, yeah. and it's leading into what, what would be um, a storyline I didn't love, which was Batman disappears. And, Now Nightwing, um, Robin, Mm -hmm. the Red Hood, they're all like trying out the mantle of the bat. Uh. And that only works because so much time had passed in the actual comics that you believe that the Red Hood might take on the mantle of the Mm -hmm. bat. And there's just no possible way to do that now. And Tim Drake's Robin, who we got introduced to very briefly, has not even become Robin yet. So oh, I'm, I'm like, what's, what's going on with this story? It's, it's just it's, too it's, fucking much. It,
0: it's sort of like they brought in a new showrunner or something that said, you know, everybody, you have to have Batman. It's DC. You, you have to. You <laughs> Can't be like the Teen Titans were so good for two seasons, I know, but it'll be better with Batman, right?
2: (laughs) It's just like, what a bummer. I just want, uh, I want to see some Titan stories and I want, I want to focus on these guys being young adults instead of having to deal with Batman. And they've really turned Batman into kind of a psychopath, which I, which I kind of like, but then I would much rather this be a story about Nightwing and Batman then.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it so. sounds like they've lost faith in their concept. Or,
2: uh, you know, here's the problem with this, this new fan culture is they can scream really loudly and get a show canceled yeah. and everything just because they don't like the casting of a particular person. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now you're just like, well, these are all the storylines they loved over the last 40 years of Titans. Let's jam it into this season. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Well, um, I went to the theater yet again. Ooh. I know. I feel like I get to do it about once a week, so it's very exciting. I get to like tell you guys all about it. <laughs> um, I saw the new M. Night Shyamalan
0: oh, movie. Okay. Old. Yeah. Um. <laughs> mm. See, that's sort of after the trailer. That's about what I felt like. It's like, hmm it's
1: like um you guys remember the happening
2: (laughs) oh no yeah
1: yeah you remember how like it seemed like nobody got directed and all the shots were stupid like stupid angles for no reason and there were long pauses for no reason and people were looking in weird directions for no reason it's like he brought back that style of whatever that style is like there are talented people in there and i'm like I don't. Am I watching a stage play? Like, what is that? Do you have to go and change costumes behind scenes before we like show you again? Like, what is going on? It and it has a really ludicrous ending.
0: Yeah, I, I saw what it was someplace. Somewhere. I was going, wow, that's really stupid. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> I,
1: I, I'm sorry, it has like four endings, so it's like one of them would have been fine, but then it kept going and going, and it's like almost like afraid to let your audience just. Potentially judge you for where you stopped. And it's just, no, you don't have to tidy up every single little loose end. First of all, you can't. And second of all, this is stupid. It was just, it became, you don't want to explain weird mythology. And it was getting frustrated. But speaking of old, I did also bring.
2: Oh, your glasses. The glasses. Hey, let dun, the glasses dun, dun. On. So let's uh, remind the audience that you bought these very nice, very expensive.
1: Expensive glasses. from oh. Barcelona. Um, tortoise, tortoise shell. Thing. But, um, but you were only
2: able to try them on with a mask on your face. Correct. And you look amazing with these glasses and a mask.
1: And a mask. But as soon as I don't <laughs> have a mask, I think they're really bad. Well, let,
2: let's us be the judge yes, of that. Okay.
1: Well, do you want to have mask view where I can just no, cover no. my mouth? No, no. I just want to see it. Your... You just want to see the actual yeah, see All right.
2: Glasses, yeah. All right. Well, it's not elephant man hideous. Yeah, I, was gonna say, <laughs> that I was expecting, you know, uh, George Romero or No, something. you have <laughs> to remember. Oh, that is much hotter. I if I, say. Put, huh.
1: if I cover my mouth and the lower half of my face,
2: God, I, I wish you, that. I wish you'd do that all the time.
1: Then <laughs> I know my nose is very big, but talk about the mouth
2: part. But... <laughs> Man, everything's
1: so in focus right now. It's really whoa, it's I, a lot. I, I...
2: I'll be honest. I I don't see much of a difference between these styles, no, and they look really. fine to me. I, yeah, yeah.
0: But they're. I mean, yeah. you know, you it's you you spot. Maybe like the spots along the top and those mm-hmm. bug you or something. It's, but I think it it's where good. they
1: lay, like in comparison to my eyebrows, and there's just something about the weight of it just feels off, and just was not how I thought it was going to look.
2: So actually, the longer you wear them, the more I like them too. So, oh
0: no!
2: So <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't see the problem with it, but I do understand that yeah. you know we spend our time looking in mirrors and reflections yeah. of ourselves yeah. all the time, and so
1: yeah. It it would it would start to really bug me after a while, and I think uh, I think I just need glasses where I can actually try them on and see my whole head mm. while I'm doing For it. Sure. And I think there is actually something wrong with the focus because I can see you in focus like really good. Oh. I don't think I've seen you in focus Sorry. ever. Just oh. oh. good. Jeez. But the thing poster the behind you is. Totally fuzzy. Oh yeah, that's not even
2: the thing. What are you talking about? Oh no! Army of Darkness, you're looking at.
1: Oh god! I can to say, I take um, these off. I'm getting seasick. Holy cow! I
2: just saw. I just got a flashback to what's that movie? You took off your glasses. You kind of shook out your hair. And I'm like, holy cow, <laughs> Vanessa, you're beautiful. It's, She's all that. There it's really you go. funny. Thank <laughs> you.
1: The glasses I'm currently wearing. Um, Sorry, mom, I'm going to out you. I, I bought them and put them on and took a picture selfie for Facebook. And my mom was like, why do you just try to make yourself look so bad?
2: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Damn, wow! Oh, I don't know that she realized dropping some truth bombs what it
1: sounded like when she said it. But I was like, "Yes, I understand that these glasses are not typical like glasses. I get that. I kind of was excited for the the Malcolm X look and just really liked it. And was like, "Man, I want to go for that 1960s whatever. It's fine. I I dig it. But I would like glasses, like a new pair, because I'm really tired of looking this way.
0: <laughs> Do you not? Can you not get contacts or just not want to get contacts?
1: I could. I just haven't done it. I don't know. I don't like touching my eye.
0: I didn't either. I, I was yeah. one of the, they, when you get contacts, they give you like a little training session. Mm-hmm. And there's like six people in this thing I was in. I was the last person to get my contacts <laughs> in because it was, I, I hated it, but I, oh. I'm totally fine with it now.
1: Huh. Okay, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll give it a whirl because this is a really expensive mistake. <laughs> <I> just, <laughs> if you don't like your glasses, that's a lot of money out the window. So. Yeah. yeah. Anyway.
0: Okay, so I, I have no glasses. I'm, I'm <laughs>
1: I know, it's such a side, side note, but... A know. good one.
0: So I watched uh, a, um, I think this is a seven release, uh, The Boys Next Door. It's Charlie Sheen, uh, Penny Lopes Fierce film in the mid-80s.
2: Wow, I'm not familiar with this at all.
0: Huh. It's well done. Uh, have you seen her film, Suburbia? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's sort of along those lines. I mean, they're not punks or anything, but they're two disenfranchised asshole kids. Charlie Sheen is one, and I forgot the name of the other guy. Um, maybe it's because of the movies <laughs> I watch in general. But this was... Promoted to me as being just really, really violent and disturbing, and it is violent and disturbing, but nowhere near the level. It's kind of something like um, a softer version of uh, Natural Born Killers or something where these two guys go on a, a killing spree or spree mm. killers, even though, you know, of course, they call them serial killers. I, they did all their killing in one night. That's a spree killer. <laughs> but... Uh, part of something that probably doesn't bode well for the film the end thing where the cops are coming to him and they're trying to run and get away they end up in a mall and i spent as much time trying to spot mall stores that i recognized from the <laughs> 80s <laughs> like uh camelot the clothing store or oh something God. like that was there and all these things going oh i remember that as opposed to you know because like The story. Yeah. But uh, it it was, it's well done. It's really well directed. It's really, really well acted, but it just wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be.
2: Could it be that, uh, you know, for the time, it was Mm. really violent and disturbing? And we are unfortunately living in that kind of world. And so that's not that big a deal anymore. Yeah. I think Mm. you're right. Yep.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Mm. That is true. Hmm.
2: I saw a movie I really liked The Protege.
0: I've heard a lot of so films familiar. with
2: that. Title. This is brand new. Maggie okay. Q, Samuel L. Jackson, Michael oh, Keaton. I, oh, nice. I was wondering if this movie was worth watching or not. Well, I think it depends on whether you like this kind of story. It's okay. very much a John Wick kind of thing. She's she's a, um, a an assassin that has been raised by Samuel L. Jackson, and then sudden somebody murders him, and so she is going out for revenge. Mm. And it's just. We're seeing a lot of this, you know, Black Widow and Jolt and mm-hmm. all this, just kick-ass chicks mm-hmm. doing stuff like that. And uh, I liked it. Cool. It's, it's nice what? to see Michael Keaton in a role like this.
1: Is uh, he like a bad guy or? a?
2: He's like a very charming bad guy.
1: Oh, I mean, I I mean like you,
2: that. you like him a lot, but he is not a good person. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, he's good for that. It's yeah. hard not to like Michael Keaton. So mm-hmm. right.
0: when he's evil, it works well. That's cool. Hmm. Where was this? Was this a, this a new
2: theater? It is, or? it is in theaters now. Okay.
1: Yeah, I've I've been debating whether or not to go and check this out, but...
2: Well, yeah. when you said you went and saw Old, I was like, okay, so The Protégé is out, uh, Shang-Chi is out, or what, or why? I am
1: going to see Shang-Chi <laughs> as soon as we're done. So, oh, like
2: today? Yeah, I'm oh, seeing okay. it
0: today. Okay.
1: But yeah, no, no, no. I, I would have seen it earlier, but we had, there
2: was stuff going on, so... Wow. You'll have to tell me how they pronounce the name in, the, in movie. the movie because as a kid, I pronounced it Shang-Chi. Yeah. And then I have a Chinese friend who was like, oh, you're going to go see Shang-Chi? And I was like, what? My mind was blown. <laughs> Is that how you pronounce that? I'm feeling very ugly American right now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, I will definitely report back.
2: So, yeah, I want to know how Marvel pronounces it.
1: Yeah. Um, well, something that I did see, I, I mean, with Crypticon, I think I ended up binging a lot of films that I was going to talk about on various panels. But one that I i watched that I hadn't seen since seeing in the theater, it was a really weird rewatch, which was um, the 2018 Suspiria. Oh, okay. So, I mean, not because of the actual film, like, you know, I've seen the film, but I feel like there's a different cut Like, I feel like there was pieces missing that I remember from watching in the theater. I think there
0: is. I think the theatrical had a cut down version to what was released.
1: Yeah. Mm. Because there was a lot of setup with like the mom and how like she had this relationship with this mother figure. And then there was some other stuff that I was like, I swear to God that there was these moments that are now missing. So I'm a little concerned that this is going to be one of those movies where there's like you know, four versions floating around and to figure out which one's the right one. And I feel like they've set themselves up for a
0: little bit of a trap with that. Hmm. Did you like it more on uh, a second viewing or um,
1: less? You know, because it was a little different and I think I was watching it for different reasons, I didn't like it as much, but I noticed a lot more in there. So something that I really enjoyed about it, for example, was that... um In the original, the camera moves and cuts kind of go with these sort of long, dreamy, um, to the music, almost like to Goblin's soundtrack. And it feels uh, like a long dance versus the cuts in this version um, are very much cut like specifically to frenetic dance movements so instead of being to the music it's definitely to the movement of the people and it's to give you a different it's it's faster and it's so i kind of started like diving into okay how is this edited and you know how how is this put together differently than the original and so that was that was its own version of um fun but i i definitely was like i don't I don't love the fake 70s moments where they're like, mm-hmm. zoom in for no reason. and Like, diopter for no reason. It's fine, but like, <laughs> I don't need that to know I'm in the 70s. Like, I, you don't need to be like, well, it's Suspiria, so therefore we're going to do these camera things that they had to do before because they didn't have the freaking equipment. It's like, don't, just don't do that. It's
0: fine. Well, I've got a manga, a manga to talk about. It's also in oh. a movie. Holy shit! You have I know you've seen the film, but have you ever read
2: Uzumaki? Um, I'm trying to. think. I read the book.
0: The the manga is messed up. Okay. Holy shit! It is a disturbing read. Really? <laughs> it's so dark. And after reading it, and it's um, it's crazy. I could see why if somebody's a huge fan of that, they'd have a hard time with the movie. But uh, also at the same time, it's like. Yeah, they're not telling that story in one movie. That's like, Mm -hmm. it's huge storyline. It was like reading through going, that moment (laughs) is so well done. And then, you know, I'm out there and evil comes back up and those friggin' fly spiral things. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I keep I'm seeing spirals all over the place in Uh-oh. movies. Oh no. <laughs> was like, oh no! It's happening! No, stop it! It's <laughs> happening! <Stop> it. <laughs> so highly recommended. Mm. Um, geez, that must have come out thirty years ago. Probably. Yeah, it's pretty oh. rough-looking manga, but it was like the whole series was like I think nine or ten dollars on. Uh, well, comicsology or something. Right. Uh, well, well worth the price because there's a, it goes for a while. It's weird. It's creepy.
2: Whatever happened uh, to that? Um, that I thought Cartoon Network was, or Adult Swim was doing a Junji Ito yeah. series. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, don't. they
1: put out that little spoiler yeah. like frame. I can't even remember. I don't even think it was animated, right? It was like just a little weird thing and then nothing.
2: Yeah. Hmm.
1: Huh. Yeah,
0: I never, never saw that again, though. They'll this just sounds, pretend like it never somebody happened. Somebody
2: enjoying their new bed upstairs. <laughs> oh,
0: God.
2: Uh, why don't we take a little break? <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, before we do that, I just yeah. want to throw out real quick, uh, what we do in the shadows has come back and there's three episodes out now. It's very funny. Uh, oh, I think cool. it's much stronger than, you know, they always start out kind of
1: clunky. And
2: then by the end of the season, you're like, oh yeah, this is great. Well, this has started out really great. Oh, so. nice.
1: That's good to hear i tried to rewatch season one and i was like man i this isn't holding up the way i wanted it to right
2: cool okay so let's take a break we're coming back and we're talking comic book movies that are not dc or marvel cool. hey spidey isn't marvel's new pizzazz magazine fantastic fantastic but not perfect. But Pizzazz has the lowdown on Jaws, too. And more Sean Cassidy picks than his mother. It's sensational. Sensational. But not perfect. How about Pizzazz's goofy guide to TV? It's wild look at sci-fi movies. It's games, puzzles, comics. What could be more perfect? Me on the cover, not the Hulk. Pizzazz, the almost perfect new monthly. From the off-the-wall gang at Marvel Comics. We have returned. This was my subgenre pick, and the whole idea was there's so many great comic book movies out there that are not DC and Marvel properties. Uh, Like uh, we had talked about, uh, They Live started out as a comic book. You can actually find that online. Very difficult to find hard copies of it now. It was only like an eight-page comic story.
1: And it was the thing, and it inspired the movie, or it came out at the same time as the movie?
2: Oh, it inspired the movie. It came out very... Very early. I think it might be from the 70s even.
1: John Carpenter's such a nerd.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, he didn't write They Live. I guess that's true. Um, But also like The Crow or Road to Perdition or Sin City or 300, all these movies that were actual comic books first. So that was the idea. And with that in mind, I chose one of my very favorite movies. Not just a favorite comic book movie, but in my top 10 movies of all time. And that is Scott Pilgrim versus the world.
1: Hey, what's up? I'll leave you alone forever now. You know this one girl with hair like this?
2: Yes, that's Ramona
0: Flowers.
1: She's out of your league. You know her? Tell me now. She just moved here, got a job at Amazon.
0: I have to order something really cool. Scott, are you waiting for
2: the package you just ordered? Maybe. Got Pilgrim? Hi, I was thinking about asking you out, but then I realized how stupid that would be. That's okay, you should just sign
1: for this, all right? So do you want to go out sometime? I say yes, will you sign for your damn package? So yeah, eight o'clock? Come to this Battle of the Bands thing? You have a band? Yeah, we're terrible.
0: <laughs> Mr. Pilgrim! I'm Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. What? wait we're fighting over ramona didn't you get my email explaining the situation i skimmed it Mm-mm.
1: what was that all about if we're gonna date you may have to defeat my seven evil exes
2: so what you're saying is we are
0: dating i guess does that mean we can make out sure
2: scott pilgrim to feel the wrath of the League of Evil XS.
0: Ramona dated twins.
2: At the same time? If you want something bad, you have to fight for it. Step up your game, Scott. Combo! Break out the L word. Lesbian? The other L word.
0: Lesbians?
2: <laughs> Doing? getting a life you want to fight me for her why on earth would you want to do that because i'm in love with her scott Pilgrim versus the world maybe next time we don't date the girl with 11 evil ex-boyfriends so oh that's not that bad
1: so amazing. Edgar Wright. So yeah. good. Oh, yes.
2: I'm glad we are on the same page for this because this is a movie I will fight people over. <laughs> you should. <laughs> uh, 2010, budget, $60 million. Wow. Mm. Worldwide box office, $48 million. Oh, wow. I knew it didn't do well, but it damn. did <gasps> not do well. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the critics have it at 82%. Mm-hmm. The audience has it at 84%. So, if you've seen this movie, you love this movie. Mm-hmm. The problem is, nobody went to see it. <laughs> mm. It was, as you mentioned, directed by Edgar Wright, who directed 14 episodes of Spaced, <laughs> Shaun of the Dead, Baby Driver, Last Night in Soho, which is just coming out, and he's doing the upcoming The Running Man adaptation.
1: That should be so
2: fun. Should be very strange. It's such a dark story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> hmm. Written by Michael Bacall, who uh, wrote 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, and is writing The Running Man for him. Mm. But he is mostly known as an actor, has 53 acting credits. What? <laughs> yes. And of course, it is based on the comic by Brian O'Malley. It stars Michael Sarah, who was in Superbad, Juno, 84 episodes of Arrested Development. It also stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who I have a massive crush on because of this movie. Oh. She was in 10 Cloverfield Lane, Death Proof. Just recently, uh, she played the Huntress in Birds of Prey.
1: And Lincoln. um, Abraham Lincoln, vampire slayer. And
2: I'm just going to throw out a list of the other actors who are in this. Chris Evans, Aubrey Plaza, Jason Schwartzman, Karen Culkin, Ellen Wong, and even Brie Larson is in this movie. So... We are introduced to the faraway city of Toronto, (laughs) (laughs) where Scott Pilgrim is dating a high schooler. That's basically the uh, preamble to the movie. And as we meet all of his bandmates, his friends, his sister, nobody really approves of this. It's not because of the age thing, because he is 22 and she is 17, uh, because the relationship is almost sexless and it is very innocent. Mm -hmm. Um, It is because he's treating it as it is not very important. Because it isn't very important. It is kind of a rebound from his very bad last relationship. And as he explains it, it's just something that feels nice. He has a pretty girl to talk to and do things with. But that's it for him. Unfortunately, the girl he is dating, Knives Chow, is falling <laughs> madly in love with him. And uh, who wouldn't? He's older. He's in a band.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> there it is. is. Uh-huh. <laughs> So uh, Scott meets an Amazon delivery girl, Ramona Flowers, after having first seen her in a dream and then meeting her in real life at a party where he uh, spectacularly embarrasses himself by trying to be cool, and she is just not interested. (laughs) Um, He loses interest in knives very quickly after meeting Ramona, but does not break up with her before pursuing Ramona, and this is kind of what this whole movie is about. It's... uh, it's a relationship movie and it's how we are sometimes very careless with people that we care about. So uh, when Scott's band Sex Bomb, <laughs> is playing in a battle of the bands, Scott is attacked by Ramona's ex-boyfriend, Matthew Patel. Um, it is a, It is a spectacular superhero type fight. Um, It is staged like a video game fight where video game graphics suddenly come on the screen and say fight. And it shows uh, Matthew and uh, Scott Pilgrim running towards each other with a big versus logo in the middle. And it is just a blast. Uh, There's a bunch of huge punches and all this stuff there is a um, Bollywood song in the middle of this particular fight. (laughs) And, uh, when Scott finally defeats him, he explodes into a number of coins, (laughs) which which fall on the stage and Scott picks it up. It turns out to be just enough to get him on the bus. (laughs) He and Ramona are, are getting along great. And all of this is taking place in, you know, within a matter of days. But, uh, Scott's very gay roommate, who really steals the show, tells him, "Look, uh, I'm super happy for you and Ramona, but uh, if you don't break up with Knives right now and make it official, then I'm going to tell Ramona all about Knives." So he finally breaks up with Knives, and Knives then sees him out with Ramona, and she decides that Ramona has stolen him away, and that's that's where we get back to this whole thing because he was careless with. Knives' feelings, Knives now, Knives now jumps to conclusions and all this stuff because she's madly in love with Scott and he wouldn't do something like this to her. And it's just one of these movies that really hit hard for me. I'm sure that I have been careless with a lot of people's feelings in my life. Mm. So yeah, so throughout the rest of this, Scott proceeds to get attacked by and defeats the next three of Ramona's exes, uh, Hollywood actor and skateboarder Lucas Lee. Is Chris Evans, and fucking great in this role. So He's good. so smarmy. <laughs>
1: this is a pretty early one for him, right?
2: Yeah, right. but he'd already been uh, Johnny Storm in the Fantastic Four movies.
1: Oh, of course. And
2: stuff like that. Uh, he also has to defeat super-powered vegan Todd Ingram, which is Brandon <laughs> Ruth, who's also fantastic, and lesbian ninja Roxy Richter who is played by the girl who played Michael Sarah's girlfriend in a couple of episodes of Arrested Development, which I thought was really clever and smart. Nice. He also has to confront his own ex, pop star Envy Adams, who was the one who broke his heart earlier. (laughs) Um, It is all done in the same way. It's very funny. It's very dynamic. It's a very video game. There's all sorts of video game sounds going on when they're hitting each other. It's really interesting. They will knock each other through walls, through roofs, fall down on the ground and all this stuff. Nobody, there's not one speck of blood in any of these fights. <laughs> uh, it's really great when he, uh, he tricks uh, the vegan into drinking soy in his coffee and the <laughs> vegan police show up and... That's just an amazing scene too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but with all this, Scott grows frustrated, and uh, after an outburst regarding Ramona's dating history, she breaks up with him. Done, done. She she does one of these things early on too, where um, you know we're told that he's got to defeat her evil exes, and at one point he's angry at her and they have a little argument and she says you're basically just another evil ex waiting to happen and it's like <laughs> oh god yeah, I mean this is just how we go through relationships we're yeah. fantastic mm-hmm. at the beginning and then pretty soon we're gonna be one of the guys that you know gets bad mouthed at the end because we were a prick we're all <laughs> pricks when it comes down to it <laughs> I
1: have no relevance to this <laughs> concept I could definitely relate to knives but sure yeah,
2: yeah. um yeah I can relate to everybody in this movie because at one point in my life I have done, I've cheated, I have broken up with, I've been broken up with, I've been cheated on, uh, all of this shit, you know. I think that's the brilliance of this movie and it's really a bummer to me that it's not more popular. Although I think 10 years now, 10 years on, that it is finally being seen as the brilliant piece of filmmaking and relationship as it is. Um, So anyway, at the next Battle of the Bands... Sex Babom defeats Ramona's fifth and sixth evil exes, who are these Japanese twins that are playing, um, like, trance music, and their music <laughs> allows them to pull, like, dragons out of the air, and everything. it's really great. It's so much fun. And it earns Scott an extra life. A little, uh, little token spins above his head that he's able to grab, and it's plus one. <laughs> um, anyway, despite all of this, Ramona has gotten back with her evil ex Gideon, the seventh ex. Um, He then offers Sex with a record deal, which they take, except for Scott, who quits the band, and uh, Scott finally challenges Gideon to a battle uh, for the uh, affection of Ramona, and it earns him the power of love and the bonus sword. He goes on this big, huge fight with Gideon, but then Knives interrupts the battle, and she starts attacking Ramona, because, you know, she stole Scott from him. And Scott is forced to finally adult and, and tell both of them, hey, I was both of you at the same time. I'm so sorry. And that kind of allows him to level up also. Mm-hmm. Um, the climax follows a lot of uh, video game tropes, some of which work really well. Some, I think there's a little bit of a stumble towards the end. But mm-hmm. I just love this movie. I'm, I'm burning through it so I can talk about the trivia, which is plentiful. Yeah. So, the four cast members that make up the band Sex Bomb spent several weeks learning how to play together as a band. Mark Weber, Allison Pill, and Johnny Simmons all had to learn their instruments from scratch, Jeez. while Michael Serra had to dumb down his bass playing in order to not look like he knew more than the rest of them. <laughs> Cuz they are a really bad band. I mean they're not very good. At the first battle of the bands, and when fighting the first evil X, Scott is seen wearing a Plumtree t-shirt. Plumtree is an all-girl indie rock band that released the song Scott Pilgrim on their 1998 album, Predicts the Future. Hmm. The song was the inspiration for Brian Lee O'Malley to create the graphic novel's title character.
1: Oh, crazy. Wow.
2: <laughs> the stunt doubles of Lucas Lee, who is Chris Evans, are actually his actual stunt doubles. And they, oh, my God. And they all look just like him. It's so funny.
1: <laughs> That's amazing. Uh,
2: the film is heavily inspired by and features numerous references to Nintendo, such as the use of names, imagery, sound effects, and music from classic Nintendo games and scenes featuring various Nintendo video game consoles. Ironically, the video game adaptation of the film was only initially released for playstation 3 xbox 360 (laughs) and pc
1: (laughs) it's really hard to get onto nintendo i'm just gonna say that right now
2: (laughs) early in the film when sex babam are practicing in the house their amps have logos that read lame brand as the brand name and then near the end when they are performing at the chaos theater after uh gideon has put some money behind him their amps all have a logo that reads sweet brand <laughs> <laughs> Jeez.
1: the naming through this whole thing it's, is amazing there's so
2: much going on in here uh Ellen Wong who played nice chow she made two homemade sex ba-bomb t-shirts for her character to wear and uh, one of them, the one that's in the theater, or in the uh, movie, is the one that Edgar Wright said, you know, yes, this looks pr- appropriately awful as a homemade T-shirt. <laughs> but then uh, they put the other one on the DVD extras as well. Um, this is interesting. The first draft of the script for the film was completed after only two of the six Scott Pilgrim books were drawn. Oh, and wow. the movie oh. ending is much different than the comic ending, which had not been figured out by the time the movie came out.
1: Oh. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Weird.
2: The band Metric recorded two versions of their song Black Sheep, which is my favorite song on the soundtrack. One had the vocals of lead singer Emily Haynes, which was included in the official soundtrack. The other version featured Brie Larson's vocals, which became a fan favorite and was used in both the film and in a promotional music video. However, the latter version was nowhere officially available. Due to its popularity, the version containing Larson's vocals... Was later included in the 10th anniversary edition of the film soundtrack, which has just come out, released in June of 2021. That version became such a hit that it brought Brie Larson back to the Billboard charts for the first time since 2005. Did you know she was a pop singer before she was an actor? I did not. Yes. No. I did My not. God, what? So yeah. Well, um, you know. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen this uh, on the DVD extras and everything. An alternate ending was filmed in which Ramona left to explore what she was like without a boyfriend and Scott and knives end up back together. That's Hmm. the ending that the actual book has because you're supposed to realize and you do in the film when Scott and knives are fighting against Gideon that they really complement each other and they're good for each other. And Ramona tells him, you know, you're supposed to be with this person. You know, mm-hmm. I live my life as the side piece to everybody and it's time to find out who I am by myself. And so you see everybody mm-hmm. kind of go the way they're supposed to. But uh, the test screening of that, the audience was like, he spent the entire movie fighting for Ramona and he doesn't get Ramona. And I'm like, you guys don't deserve this. Good <laughs> You yeah. do not deserve this movie. Finally, I would tell anyone who uh, likes this movie to check out the Wikipedia page. The <laughs> amount of, Trivia, essays, and everything that are on that is literally pages and pages worth of information. It is so well-loved by the people who do love it. Wow. That's my movie, Scott Pilgrim versus the World.
1: I have to say, watching Edgar Wright movies, they're so satisfying as an editor. Oh, my God. It's just like so nice to watch all those sound effects. Perfect. All the cuts. Perfect. All the Mm -hmm.
2: moments. So well-played. It really makes me long for what his Ant-Man would have been like. I know. Oh, yeah. And I kind of get why maybe they ha- were having a problem with it, because he is such a visionary that if he makes this movie and then they throw Ant-Man into another movie, it's like, oh, like, it I, I like not Ant-Man, style. but I guess I just liked Edgar Wright's Ant-Man. You know? <laughs> Eddie
0: pull he'd probably stylistically be very different from a lot of Marvel, Marvel movies, which That's
2: can yeah. be a problem That's for him. That's it. I mean, they even had a bit of a problem with throwing in the Guardians of the mm-hmm. Galaxy in that Avengers movie. And you could tell they were trying to kind of be James Gunzian in this. And, and it was like, oh, you guys, you don't quite get it. Yeah. It's yeah. not just a cool 70s song.
1: No. Yeah. It was, it was a little bit jarring. I remember seeing um, when they showed up for the Avengers film, you're like, man... This is like you guys seem like weird yeah. in this mm-hmm. like you're not you think you're funny and you're not funny but you were funny and you really were funny but now in this context I don't want anything from you. So yeah. that makes sense but I'm still bummed. They shouldn't have they shouldn't have hired him if they didn't want to see his version. Yeah. Um yeah. Well, uh that brings us to my comic yes. movie choice. Yes. Um I, this was such a hard wanted to choose because there are so many amazing films out there and I just mm-hmm. I wanted to do them all but there was one that I think Kelly maybe you suggested that I was like oh crap now that you've said <laughs> it I, I can't not do that one no matter what I feel personally about it so I went with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990 and punishing our enemies. We've been looking for you, Miss O'Neill. There is a new
0: enemy, Freaks of Nature. Together, we
2: will punish these creatures. What the heck was that? Looked like sort of a big title in a trench coat.
1: since I've seen this film, so it was you know good to, to have a refresher. Although it's one of those weird things where when you're a kid, you see a film so many times mm-hmm. that when you're watching it as an adult, if somebody asks you what happens, you kind of vaguely remember, but the minute you start watching it, you're like, I know literally everything yeah. that's happening yeah. down to a mm-hmm. T. Um, so Rotten Tomatoes for this guy, a really big gap, 40% for critics. Oh, 81% for audience. <laughs> That's
2: that sounds about right. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's it's pretty, pretty crazy. Um, the budget for this was 13.5 million. The box office was two hundred and two million.
2: Did all right. So you'd say this was a hit. It
1: was uh considered to be one of the most successful, I want to say indie films, uh, or that was considered a little bit more on the independent side until Blair Witch Project. Oh wow. Yeah. So it held that title for nine years. Um, the director Steve Barron did 111 different projects, mostly music videos, but a lot of them, like Madonna, Michael Jackson. He did the Billy Jean music video. Um, Brian Adams, ZZ Top, Culture Club, Kenny Loggins, <laughs> David Bowie, Aha, uh-huh, Paul McCartney. He also directed um, Coneheads. And he's done since then, I'd say he's doing a lot of TV movies now and some documentaries about music. So he's kind of changed gears a little bit. The writer on this, um, of course, the characters are from Eastman and Laird. uh, The authors, the geniuses behind (laughs) Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They definitely knew it was going to be a success when they started. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Bobby Herbrick. Uh, was one of the writers for the screenplay. Um, he has only got four things behind his name, including Small Wonder, three episodes, and The Jeffersons, one episode, Different Strokes, one episode. He's mostly an actor, but he was also in Small Wonder, Different Strokes, et cetera. <laughs> so he, kind of a weird one. I think he's just kind of a day player um, or just dabbling maybe. Uh, screenplay also by Todd W. Langan who had done some episodes of Wonder Years and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. Um, and uh, Todd W. Langen, who's done four things, including Pursuit of Happiness TV series, Teenage Mutant Ninja but, Turtles.
0: But, based on that... <laughs> I that have no idea.
1: Oh or the film would have been God. based on it, I think. Oh, no. I thinking, It's older.
0: Never mind. When he said that, I thought happiness... It, I, like, oh, how Oh, they make that. Into oh a TV no, no. Show?
1: No, no, no. Uh-uh. Never mind. Uh, anyway. Um <laughs> there were several editors on this, but I do want to point out one, Sally Mink Man- Uh she is Quentin Tarantino's editor. This was oh. one of her first ever jobs, and she was fired partway through because they didn't like the direction she was taking the movie. So <laughs> it'll
2: never amount to anything. Though. I yeah.
1: know. Poor girl. <laughs> their chance is over. Um starring, um there are a lot of names involved in this because each of the turtles not only has an actor inside the suit but also has a voice actor. Mm-hmm. So you get a couple of crossovers. So I'll just start off with the easy ones. Judith Huang uh, or sorry, Judith Hoag who played April O'Neill. She's been in 109 things, mostly TV episodes. Um, she does a lot of just one-offs for TV, but she was in Magicians, um, 40 episodes of Nashville and 14 episodes of Big Love. You also have um, Elias Cotez as Casey Jones. He's been in 90 things, including 106 episodes of Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, Chicago Med. He was also <laughs> in The Killing, 12 episodes, um, and a lot of one-offs. He's also has, he's been in a lot of films as kind of smaller or medium-sized roles like Fallen, Gattaca, Crash, Prophecy, At People, Zodiac. He's, he's been around for a while. It's really weird because you recog- as an adult, I recognize him so clearly because my mom watches all of the Chicago stuff. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you, but with long hair and you're like rude, I guess. <laughs> weird. Um, it's strange because he's so like straight laced in the, the stuff he plays now. Um, and then, of course, we have um, uh, the, the uh, splinter is played by Kevin Clash. He's been in 218 Things, but you would know him as Elmo. Oh, jeez. I know. <laughs> wow. I know. Um, mixed feelings there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, James Sato as Shredder. Uh, he's been in MASH, Eli Stone, Always Be My Maybe. So he's gone on to yeah. to be a pretty good um, actor, obviously.
2: Very recognizable, too.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. His voice was done by David Macron um, or Mick. Nic- Nic- who's in a lot of voice stuff he, he does borg voices for star trek voyager um and then uh just uh also just side note ski Orich and scott wolf both both appear as unnamed members of the foot clan but are uncredited oh, um but uh, I I won't say too much of the credits for the turtles themselves, other than just kind of we've we've got two people per per turtle. So Josh Pais, um as Raphael and passenger in a cab. <laughs> um, <laughs> David Foreman as Leonardo and gang member. I believe jo- Josh Pais actually did the voice and the the body. David Foreman did uh, was Leonardo the body. Um, he's done a lot of stunt work, including for Skyfall, Last Samurai, Game of Thrones. Um, but Brian Tochi did the voice. He was from Revenge of the Nerds, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Three, Police Academy Three, um, and lots of voices for Avatar: Last Air eh, Avatar ter, Avatar Last Airbender. Jeez. Yeah, I know. It was bad. <laughs> Leaf Tildman as Donatello in person. Um, and also with he was in Dinosaurs as Robbie Sinclair. Um, He actually is now a location manager. And Corey Feldman played the voice of Donatello, which we would know from 133 things, including Stand By Me, Lost Boys, Goonies, and Friday 13th Final Chapter. Uh, Last but definitely not least, Michael Sisti as Michelangelo and also plays the pizza man. Um, He was a lot of miscellaneous actor uh, characters in Muppets, and he played Charlene Sinclair in Dinosaurs. Um, and Robbie Rest as Michelangelo's voice. Um, he did the 2015 TMNT as Mondo Gecko. He's Transformers voice as a Tricera shot. Lots of Naruto. Just a ton. The voice actors are often in like a zillion things. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to talk about the plot for this because y'all know. Yeah. But.
0: Turtle swamp. <laughs> swamp? Swamp. Sewer. 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 <laughs> Pizza.
2: Mutagen. Pizza.
1: Pizza, pizza, Cowabunga. Um, For anyone who doesn't know Ninja Turtles... All right, here we go. The place, New York City. The situation, crime is up. Wallets are being stolen. Entire vans filled with TVs are gone in the blink of an eye. A mysterious, fast-moving force of young people are sneaking around and stealing, mostly electronics. They are led by The Shredder, who's a big villain who is an expert at uh, ninjutsu and he wears a big metal helmet and like purple, but in this red. the foot are um, ordered to silence reporter April O'Neil, who's figured out that they are behind the crime wave and is trying to report on it. Um, Raf slash the turtles uh, save her. By burning out, by like killing a light as she's getting mugged, and then oh, okay. making a lot of really fun ninja sounds in the dark, and then she, uh, the light comes back on, and she's like, well, I don't know what happened, and a sewer lid goes. Din, 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 din. <laughs> um, the Ninja Turtles are four turtles who are brothers. They walked in some mutagen when they were young, and grew and grew and grew until they're basically people but turtles and they have an attitude they are 15 years old in this movie um, they, uh, they're celebrating their, um, success with saving April. They think she's super hot by the way. they say it a lot while watching her on the news. It's incredibly uncomfortable, especially cause I thought Michael Bay was being weird with the Ninja Turtles. No, it's um, anyway. Um, they're making a lot of bad nineties jokes. They sound basically imagine Bill and Ted. It's just that. It's just Bill and Ted, but four of them just going over each other, trying to make zingers out of awesome, tubular, spectacular, whatever. Um, Their master, uh, Splinter, who also is a rat who went through mutagen in this version, which is different than the the comic, um, where in the comic, he was a man who had uh, mad skills and a rat who had mad skills kind of came together in the mutagen and became one. He was a rat who was copying his master who had mad skills and then got muted in and became a guy. So he's set a separate, you guys. It's... <laughs> the lore is tough to explain. Just know it's very simple. You don't really have to worry. It's a fun, large rat. And he is hilarious because he's the straight man who occasionally makes jokes. Um, he congratulates them uh, on their successful saving of April, but reminds them that they must remain in the shadows because they must keep stealth since they are turtles
2: (laughs) walking around
1: (laughs) in a city with weapons and and skills. Uh, Raph is super pissed because he lost lost his scythe. So he decides he's going to go out to a movie to blow off some steam. He's convinced he can get the scythe back, but uh, Splinter tells him not to do it. Uh, he goes out to see critters and thinks it sucks <laughs> on his way out of critters while making fun of it. He's like, "What are the, What do people make this garbage? It's very good. Um, he runs into some robbers and just basically trips them, gives the purse back to the, the ladies who had them stolen and starts to walk off when Casey Jones comes out of nowhere and delivers a secondary beating to these thieves. He's like, yo, dude, come on, stop. I already did this. And dude's like, uh hey man, what are you talking about? I'm here. They deserve it or something. Um, And then they get into it. They start fighting. There's a lot of baseball references, some hockey references because Casey Jones is an ex-hockey player and carries around um, a hockey mask. Uh, I wonder if that's an homage to anything in particular. And a giant hockey stick, which uh, he uses to just... Dole out justice on the streets. We do need to remember this is New York uh, right after the 80s. So shit be weird out there. (laughs) It makes all kinds of sense. Um, So April is yet again um, in trouble with the foot. Shredder has called them out to really get her. I don't know if they're supposed to murder her or what, but anyway, um, she's alone on a subway platform when she is attacked and knocked unconscious. Um, But uh, Raphael just happens to be there at the time. He fights off the foot and he brings her to the lair. Now, (laughs) <laughs> he is followed down to the lair, but does not know it. Um, he brings her to the turtles and Splinter, who are all like, oh, uh, this is awkward. <laughs> she wakes up. She screams a bunch. They scream a bunch. Everyone screams a bunch. And, and then Splinter, who looks kind of gross when he walks, <laughs> like moves over to her and he stands over her and he explains the origins of the turtles. Sewers, ooze, etc. Taught to fight. Um, turtles take April back to her home and hang out and eat some frozen pizza. When they return to their lair later, they discover the hideout has been trashed and Splinter has been kidnapped. They return to April's apartment to um, basically look like sad puppy dogs and she uh-huh. takes them in and they crash there. Um, so at this point, Splinter is basically been kidnapped by um, Shredder. They have a shared history it's when Splinter was a rat. Uh, Shredder (laughs) attacked his master and um, they were fighting over the love of a good woman and um, he killed Shredder, killed the master as well as the woman and the rat uh, got out of the cage and scratched him, his face a bunch so he has a big scar. So um, Shredder hasn't quite figured this out yet but he knows he doesn't like this rat and something is familiar in the style of (laughs) the style of karate that he's rat doing fool. rat <laughs> foo, and he's like there's something strange you you
2: guys are really talented these turtles Ka rat a <laughs> oh. thank you i'll show myself out <laughs> It
1: was you know what that's the level that's the level of this film um so they are the turtles are crashing over with um with April and Raph and Leo get into a huge argument. Um, Raph basically says, Leo, you're a terrible leader. And then he goes up onto the roof to angry fight. Literally no one by himself. Casey spots him on the roof and sees that the foot uh, arrived to ambush him. Um, A giant fight breaks out on top of the roof. The roof actually, uh, or sorry, uh, Raph is thrown in through the roof. The rest of the turtles get involved um, and there's a lot of like chopping, like they have these big axes the the foot clan and they keep chopping at the floor. And then when a bunch more come in, the, the floor collapses down into an antique shop below. And then of course, like a fire breaks out. So they have to escape quickly. They get out of there and they basically have nowhere left to go. So they go to April's parents abandoned farm and hang out to recuperate.
0: That seems like a good option. I want to like <laughs>
1: skim over the story but it's really
2: <laughs> yeah, I would say skim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's
1: really so specific. Um they recoup uh they recoup while they're there April and Casey start to fall for each other. Meanwhile, um Splinter is teaching a young white kid about honor. <laughs> um he's one of the thugs. Eventually the the turtles Kate and Casey regroup, regroup go out Save save Splinter. Giant showdown on top of a roof. Shredder goes to um, attack the turtles, almost kills Leo when Splinter shows up and says, no, I challenge you. And uh, so, of course, Shredder is stoked and is like, let's do this. Runs at him full speed uh, and Splinter with just the flick of a wrist and a nunchuck uh, throws him over the edge of a building. And this is the part that always gets me as an adult. I never thought twice about it when I was a kid. So Shredder falls off the roof and into a garbage truck below. And Casey presses a button inside and it crushes him to death. And he goes, whoops. <laughs> and I'm like, you just crushed a man to death in a garbage Compactor. Now, look, he's not a good guy, but I don't think he deserves that kind of death. And it's not funny, but they play it so hard for laughs. So uh,
0: he's and, a shredder that got crushed.
1: Oh, uh, there's no humor there, is he there? He didn't get shredded, though. So there's Maybe that. Maybe
0: cheese
2: grater.
1: The best, the best part of the ending, though, is the rap song that leads us out with Turtle Power by Partners in Crime. Crime spelled with a K and a Y. Um, the good about this movie, watching it again as an adult, uh, the animatronics are actually super freaking impressive in hindsight. Even Splinter when he um, is like chained up uh, in the in the lair starts tearing up and it feels pretty raw. Like his facial movements are really precise and looks really, really good. The story overall actually isn't too bad. The actors are generally pretty good, especially Casey and April. Um, New York City feels grimy as fuck. Like (laughs) they got it down. Like a lot of now, you know, if you had a children's show set in New York City is not going to look like this. It feels like you don't want to be there. The kids hangout likewise feels really fucking awesome there's arcade machines there's bubble gum there's skateboarding i remember thinking it was cool as a kid and i was like yeah i fucking want to be there <laughs> dude i would go there right now and hang out with all y'all this looks awesome um it's much better than any of the follow-up films uh it promotes pizza in a really fun way and the music is <laughs> great What sucks are the jokes. Those do not age well. Um, All four turtles blend together in a not fun way. One of my biggest complaints is that Donatello, my favorite character, just seems like nothing. He just kind of I don't know. He sort of sucks. I didn't enjoy him in it. And he's just all his cool, like, I'm smart and I'm going to figure things out. It's all completely gone. Michelangelo's unique, like, I'm the one making jokes because everyone else is doing it is all gone. Raph and Leo are definitely the two with any kind of personalities in this movie. The sound effects in this are cheesy as hell. There's like a lot of boing and (laughs) whoa, and just a lot of Bad, bad stuff. And there's this weird feeling where it's almost like a little too adult and a little too kid at the same time. So this movie has a really strange feel about it. Um, the script was based mainly on the early Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic, including the story stories of the Turtles origin, rooftop battle, Um Uh, going off to the farmhouse and the battle with Shredder. Elements were also taken from the 1980s animated series, such as the Turtles' colored bandanas, love of pizza, elements of Michelangelo's character and April O'Neil as a television reporter instead of a lab assistant, which was a big shock to me when I read the the comics. I was like, wait, she's like a programmer. She's like a computer programmer Ah. assistant. (laughs) What? And Baxter's her boss. What? It just really (laughs) blew my mind. In the 80s, uh, the first pitch of this from Eastman and Laird, uh, they got their film treatment uh, sent over to Roger Corman's New World Pictures. Uh, his idea of how it should be played out was to hire four comedians who were popular at the time. Gallagher, Sam K- Kinesen, Bob Goldthwaite, and Billy Crystal. He was going to have the actors dressed up in turtle shells with um, their arms and legs painted green and then um, in another treatment uh, at the time, they took the Artles, uh, turtles into an R-rated territory and included a scene with partially nude nuns on roller skates fighting the heroes. So obviously that didn't
2: happen. Wow. Yes. I think that was in the comic though, wasn't it? That sounds familiar could be the comic
0: the the Eastman and Laird black and white comic is so yeah so different from anything the turtles have been since then
1: yeah absolutely true I mean it's just a strange feeling knowing kind of where the cartoon ended up going to think like oh it could have been a really raunchy like R-rated production by Roger Corman which means it would look bad oh yeah um, the turtles were actually created by Jim Henson's creature shop in London. Jim Henson said that the creatures were the most advanced that he'd ever worked with. Um, They were made out of fiberglass and then remolded out of clay. They were produced as molds to cast the whole body in foam rubber latex. The work of the shop was completed within 18 weeks. However, Henson didn't really like the level of violence in the film. He viewed the violence as excessive, pointless, and not his style. Um, This was the last theatrical film that Jim Henson would be uh, in production on. He died about a month and a half after the film's release. The motors that were built in each of the turtle's heads to create the facial expressions were packed very tightly and into an uncomfortable, it was very uncomfortable for the performers uh, to wear the suits. Josh Payas had described the noise of the um, heads as (laughs) being like in a grand central station at rush hour with a tin can over your head. Mm. Uh, When Raphael gets knocked in the trash can by Casey Jones, when they're fighting the beginning, the face and the animatronics inside the head caved in and broke his nose. Yeah. Raph's original stunt guy had to be replaced by one of the foot soldier stuntmen named Ken Scott. To help disguise how cumbersome and slow the turtles' costumes were, dialogue scenes were shot at 23 frames per second, so that they, uh, they played at a normal speed of 24 frames per second and appeared a bit sharper. For the same reason, fight scenes were shot at 22 or 23 frames per second. Just really, really weird to think about. Yeah. Um, all of the actors who pr- portrayed the um, turtles had cameo roles. Uh, in it. So for example, Raphael played that passenger in the back of a taxi cab. Um, Michelangelo played a pizza delivery man. David Foreman was a gang member. And Leif Tildman played, uh, who's Donatello, also played a foot soldier. A couple of other just final fun things. Robin Williams was a big fan of the franchise and he provided Judith Hoag who played April with information regi- regarding her character through his comic book collection? The two were co starring in Cadillac Man when the Turtles went uh, into production. Originally, Steve Barron wished to replicate um, April O'Neill's jumpsuit from the early Mirage comics. And the cartoon, it was going to look way more closely with the yellow color and a big red hair as opposed to the green jumpsuit and brown hair that she has. However, Judith Hoke found the jumpsuit horrifying <laughs> and the idea was nixed. A yellow raincoat April wears at the beginning of the movie is an homage to the jumpsuit and about as far as they could get her to do it. It was originally planned to be made and released in the mid 80s. Uh, when the cartoon was on, uh, before the cartoon was on air, so it was definitely that explains why the pitches were in a very different directed uh, direction. However, the movie um, was going to be a direct comic book adaptation, and no studio or country except France and Germany wanted to invest in the project. So uh, many studios, including Walt Disney, Columbia, MGM, all turned it down, um, and eventually uh, they ended up with New Line Cinema. Uh, who are the only ones willing to take a risk on it because Masters of the Universe flopped so badly. (laughs) Of course, it was a huge success and um, uh, (laughs) went on to do very, very well. Judith Hoag was not asked back to reprise her a role as April O'Neil in the film sequels due to her own personal complaining, particularly about six day schedules and the amount of violence in the movie. She basically annoyed the crap out of everyone on set. So that's mine. Um, it was really fun to read in. Like I, there was so much trivia that I. This was literally me writing it, having it, having it again, having it again, highlighting it in green. There's so much fun stuff to read about with this, and I didn't even really get into much of the Peter, uh, the, the Laird and Eastman stuff, but I would say as a rewatch, it, it was better than I thought, but I also don't need to see it again for a long time. <laughs> so
2: I can see that. Eric, were you reading it when it came out? Yes.
1: Really? Yeah.
2: Remember it was... Um... It was so derivative of the Frank Miller Daredevil stuff. And yeah. In fact, their origin was Daredevil's origin. They were just on mm-hmm. the sidelines of the mutagen that blinded Daredevil, getting into yeah. the sewers. That's so funny. And um, the Foot Clan is just a takeoff on the Hand yeah. from Daredevil. Yes, yes. Exactly, yeah. I did read that. Yeah. So I remember it being, you know, I had a couple of those early issues, and I was like, "Well, this is silly," but I kind of like the artwork. Yeah, I. Was one issue late. I still
0: have, I think still have the original number two. but Because when it wow. hit the indie comics, it was a gigantic hit.
1: Yeah. yeah. and uh, But initially, yeah, only had a couple. Like, it was such a, you know, yeah. small, small, and through issue
0: eight or ten. Many, or many reprints. Enough that yeah. some of the reprints are worth a lot of money. Oh, are they? Really? Wow. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I remember, I think I've still got a few of the originals and a couple of the ones. One-offs, like they did the weird one-offs of each, not nearly as good as that recent IDW run. Right. Yeah. yeah,
1: um that is so weird to hear you guys talking about it like that because I was a kid, oh, yeah. a little kid. I mean, I I was six when the cartoon came out, and I was mm-hmm. obsessed yeah. with it, yeah. like absolutely obsessed. And um, my brother, my much older brother, had the comics, and um, he had some of the early ones. And they're black and white and I was little and I didn't know what I was looking at. So I thought it was a coloring book. Oh no. <laughs> so I scribbled all over oh, that thing. No. I still have that issue. It's, it's a pretty early one. <laughs> it's in pieces, but <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was incredible.
2: Wow. <laughs> That's all I have amazing. left now, I've got the, uh, when first put together the big colorized, and bound oh, them yeah, all in yeah. the, the big volumes. I've got those, but that's all I've got anymore. Yeah, I've got a couple. I
0: When uh, growing up, there was no comic book shop in my town. So I got a. there's a place in Boise called New Mythology, which is mm-hmm. sadly gone. you yeah, I'd order, I'd get like a box a month. Mm-hmm. Oh, sort of like cool. the box you get now when you go into the store, except you have to ship it to me. So mm-hmm. that's where
2: I was able to get them because his dude shipped them well. Yeah. So I was able to get them and they were fun. Since you brought it up, we should remind people that, that um the last Ronin, which is still ongoing, I think the next issue comes out this month finally. Yes. That, okay? that, yeah. that is solid stuff. It's yeah.
1: incredible. And I love when they do things like callbacks. Um the the Nickelodeon series, not the most recent one, but the one before that did some really fun callbacks too. And it's just it's nice when you know that the people who are behind it really care. But this one, is it Eastman or Laird? Writing
2: this guy? I don't remember. This new one, yeah. I think yeah. it's I think it's Eastman and Laird. Yeah, you know? I think Here's it's one of the, of the few first time they've re-collaborated. Yeah, which we got to see in that um the toys that made us about the oh, teenage yeah. Ninja right. turtles. Yeah, sure. Almost uh almost brought me to tears to see them working together because yeah. I know they had contakeras falling out yeah. for a long time. Very
0: long. Well, mine is no where near as well-known as either of yours. <laughs> That's probably for the best. Less <laughs> trivia. Still have some of that, though. Uh, this is... Uh, my, the one I went with was from 2012 called Bad Kids Go to Hell. How many
1: bad kids today? Max. I wouldn't classify any of our suits, bad kids.
2: I got bad that'll kill your car.
0: Graduating students feel pressure, causes them to behave irrationally. Here at Crestview, we frown upon physically assaulting the retarded students. I'm not retarded. Of course not.
1: Good for you. All of these personality types together, ten months out of the year. It's no wonder students come fits of jealousy, rage, paranoid delusion. Honestly, Max, it's a miracle they don't all kill each other. Damn.
2: Oh yeah, this is
1: gonna rack. While pondering your erroneous ways, six of you will write a summary on the history of Crestview Academy. And double doors will remain locked until I return. Are you sure this place is safe?
0: Confident the six of you can survive an entire eight hours. When you returned, the room was filled with blood. da Right then, I'll be off.
1: thing perfectly clear we're in detention yeah this is not a love-in this is not feel-good 80s movie of the year where for seven hours we
2: put aside our diffs and through commiserating about our mutually dysfunctional family lives or how lonely or
1: alienated we each feel we find some sort of common ground and end up as bffs spirit show us your
2: Yeah, this was
0: Rotten Tomato ranking of 44 from critics, 35 from the crowd. Oh, no. the, you know, the rare drop. Budget, no freaking clue. No, nothing on budget or box office or anything. It's available as a rental through a lot of places. Did uh, you Did you know about this before? Yeah. Okay. Yep. For one big reason. I tried to show it at the first Crypticon, official Crypticon Film Festival. Oh. But it was... And this happens almost every year because I open up for submissions in October and I get a bunch of really cool movies. And it's like, oh, let's show this and this. And by the time CryptoCon rolls around, they've all been picked up Ah. and they can't screen anymore. And that's what happened with this one. Mm. So, yeah, I'd known about this for a while. It's directed by Matthew Sprodlin, who is also the writer of the comic. Him and Chris Allen and Anthony Vargas were the creative team that put it together. Uh, let's see. So we've got. Um, he's also directed something called The Devils, which is obviously not the first movie you think of when you hear that. He is also done some writing for the unofficial, unauthorized comic book of of the fiftieth anniversary of Earth.
2: I don't know what that is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Seems Wait, like
2: there's been more anniversaries. I was gonna that. say fiftieth. Yes.
0: Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> oh, sorry, Earth Day. Oh, that was on day. the next line down. <laughs> That makes a lot more sense. It
2: really does. (laughs) There we go.
0: Hollow Heights. And uh, also writing were Barry Wernick, who's uh, known for the kosher chili cook-off. Get Ready, Get Set, Testify. And Bad Kids of Crestview Academy, which is the sequel to this film. Mm. Stars Cameron Dean Stewart, who's done a lot of TV. Pitch Perfect and uh, the Aquarius miniseries. Mm. Uh, Ben Browder. From Farscape and yeah. Stargate. Jud ja Nelson. Wow. Breakfast Club. Mm. Angie Duke, who's in Spring. Uh, 10 th- and she's got like 10 things in various levels of production right now. And uh, another Plan 9 from Outer Space. Oh, no. mm. Like, oh. Movie starts with one of my least favorite ways to start a movie. Oh, this shit happens. Eight hours earlier. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, whatever. Just <laughs> <laughs> It's sad, right? The, from the beginning, we had a very sad moment. The uh, badass guy of the movie shows up, and Rex is very nice, smoking the Bandit Firebird.
2: I- <laughs>
0: Browder is in there playing the school janitor, who seems maybe he's a little simple, or is he? Oh. <laughs> uh, the lead guy is beyond. Um, he's trying not to get expelled, and for some reason, he decides that showing up at uh, Saturday detention. Yes, Breakfast Club inspired. Will somehow give him the chance to talk to the principal or whatever and get, it, get himself unexpelled. So, okay. Boy, the uh, cast is a bunch of Warner Brothers looking cast members. I mean, the, this is like pretty boy and lady high school. <laughs> but of course, they're mostly, I think the oldest is like 26. Okay. But they're all pretty much... The counselor does a full-on thing about the attitude of the movie and stuff. It's kind of like, oh, all right, I see what you're getting at. I don't need to know that. Could have just watched it, but okay. Uh, And has the line, it's a miracle they don't all kill each other. Foreshadowing? (laughs) Um, There's a significant, there's a lot of homages to Breakfast Club in this movie. They're in a library. It's a two-story library. They've got the, what was it, two rows of three uh, tables with them set up. And there's this weird giant statue at the end, just like in The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Except this statue actually has some significance. They complain about, can we go to the bathroom? I mean, there's, it's all very much, okay, you guys love Breakfast Club. <laughs> um. There's some effects in here that works really well. They have a lot of CGI-created giant cockroaches that don't necessarily... I mean, not giant, but like large cockroaches. Like arachnophobia versus a regular spider, kind of big. But what, is the, what is the genre of this comic? Horror. Is it, it is? Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, pretty much horror. Um, so, the, the, here, here you go. The idea is The Legend of the Ghost... I actually I got this from reading the comic and didn't realize it wasn't revealed until later on in the movie. I, I, I was picking up on something that's happening in the movie. I'm going, oh, I know what's going on because it was in the comic. But uh, the idea is that people have things that pop into their heads and they just do them. And they're, you know, not good things, of course. And that's why they're all into detention. You know, the Breakfast Club had the big dramatic scenes where they all explain how they got in there, and like you Mm. pulled the elephant, it didn't work. Uh, This one, they just—they just show you (laughs) what they they did wrong. Partially, I think, because you know that's a lot harder to pull off really well. (laughs) Um, The school, of course, is built on sacred Native American land. Ooh, that always goes well. And, and the first kid who dies, there's no phones, of course. All their phones have been taken away and all this stuff. And then you get the moment of freak out. They run around the library trying to find any way out. And, of course, that really doesn't work. Is it from the cockroaches? Uh, no, she's, uh has um, breathing problems. Oh. And, uh, yeah, the cockroaches don't... I don't think they kill anyone. They're just annoying people. But they <laughs> set it up where it's, there's construction going on, so... There's a forklift that's jammed against the doors, so they can't open. And there's scaffolding against all the windows, that is like chain link scaffolding, so they can't get through the windows. So they're 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 trapped, trying to find weapons. Can't find any. Make little jokes. Okay. What
2: I'm lost on this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are are they? What is attacking them? They don't know yet. Oh, okay. What are they trying to find weapons for then? Because.
0: The one guy died, whoever died of that something attacked him. I don't think they saw it. But they're trying to figure out, they're freaking out because the person died violently and it was hard to explain. So now they're running around going, ah! I see, okay. The the reveal that they're trapped was not the greatest CGI shot either. It's like pull back from the crowd. Here, look at all the scaffolding. Look at the cartoon. Jen Nelson is uh, an ass in the film, he shows up as he shows up in the flashbacks. He's not the guy you think he'd be. He's not like the principal who's overseeing him. has some pretty snarky bad lines about how the guy goes after the uh, retarded kid in their wheelchair. And the hero's like, he's not retarded. He's just in a wheelchair. Oh my God. It's bad. You treated this kid this way. Oh my God. <laughs> like, God. Okay. He does that a lot <laughs> through the whole movie. So, of course, now they've gotten a little bit closer. So, it's, let's get into the air ducts, right? That's what you do when you're trapped in a room. Okay. You find the giant air ducts that a person fits in that all places have.
2: Yeah.
0: And that's where that's one of the scenes the cockroaches come in where somebody gets in there. And, of course, they're flooded with cockroaches and they have to go back. None of these people are likable. <laughs> and, you know, it's bad. Kids go to hell. So, they're all uh, kind of assholes and um. they're all... Like so, yeah, okay, you got killed. I'm okay with that. <laughs> it has a really weird sense of humor that, when it works, is actually really good. But it doesn't always work. It's kind of a weird, dark, not quite twisted, just weird, dark humor. Mm. And sometimes it pulls off really good. And then you're realizing, is this a hoax? What is going on here? Are these ghosts real? Are they not? So uh, it's ghosts. Theory. That's what they're thinking. It is. They they have like. Weird green things that show up, and the way people die can also be explained away by somebody setting traps up to uh, kill them. I see. Uh, the they do a good job. I mean, it's written by the guy who directed, who wrote the comic, directed. So they recreate the comic quite well. It's a really good adaptation. There is also the convenience of um, the, since it's a construction site, we've got another thing. You know, you've got the air ducts everybody can fit into, and now you have a nail gun. Because everybody leaves highly expensive, giant, dangerous tools just sitting around, and then you get to the what feels like the end. Here's the ending. Here's what's going on. Or
2: is it? Uh oh.
0: Not really. No. There's there's more. It's. I'm okay spoiling this one because it's you know if you want to watch it you'll watch it and you're not going to care but it, it's sort of a Scooby Doo kind of ending. I was going to say, are we in Scooby Doo territory? Yeah, <laughs> very much so. But I'll I'll leave the end credits, which darkens the hell out of the story. You can watch and discover that it's like holy shit. But yeah, it's very much a we got you, mislead kids, because we got to make a money or some shit like that. Mm. Taglines: Daddy's money can't save them now. Oh my god! (laughs) See, you know, because they're all they're very specific kids too. They've been picked because their parents were either designing the library, paid for the library. Something like that. So, they're all people that are connected to this hmm. Native American land being used. Mm. The other tagline, the Feel Bad Movie of the Year. <laughs> sure. It's not quite that, but I like that one. They still have an active website, too. It's a, like a CrestviewAcademy.com, and it it kind of looks like a school. Hmm. It's like like a school website. Not all the links are there, but a lot of them are. And, but they've got little telltale things to show us some weird, like a cockroach runs across the street kind of thing. And it's a, it's a fun website. It's worth, worth having there. I read all of these for free online at uh, graphitecomics.com. The, the physical copies are out of print and fairly expensive. And uh, so I was like, well, is there some way I can read these? Yes, there is. Some good music is put together in this film. It's very much uh, like a music of the time. You know the indie kind of rock stuff is played, and it fits. I'm not say it's necessarily all movie that, music that I went out and won the soundtrack for, but it fits the movie and it fits 2012. And one of the ads <laughs> was a parody of a very famous national lampoon cover. Remember the one where the guys there's a dog on the cover with the gun. by yep. buy the magazine and we'll kill the dog. They recreated that cover, all the fonts, all the images. Around the top, it said National Lampoon. It said, bad kids go to hell. <clears throat> with a, a female student and says, if you don't buy this magazine, we'll kill this girl. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> or see this movie, we'll kill this girl. It's like, oh, that's random and really weird. I think they just wanted to do it because it has no connection to anything that's going on in the movie. Mm. It's just like somebody <laughs> wanted to do that. <laughs> The indie comic was so successful at the time that they had uh, you cast the movie on the sections of the website so the fans could put in their votes for who they wanted to play the roles of the film. Wow. Um, some of these, Ben Browder and Judd Nelson, were ones that the fans suggested for roles to be in it. Um, the, and also some of the the side characters, Mark Donate, Char- uh, Chanel Ryan and Al Faulkner were all selected from fan voting online. Whoa. I
1: was like, wow. <laughs> That's one way to cast I movie. Mean,
0: well, they, they looked at all the things and took mm. the suggestions, and if they were good enough, they took them. Ah, okay. I'm sure Judd Nelson, though, was like, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, this is some weird special effects. Uh, notes Amanda Alk who plays kind of the nerdy girl who's you know the nerd in glasses hair you know that kind of thing she does a her her moment of I'm going to do something stupid was stripping in a classroom she wore pasties for this the filming Mm. and then the effects team went back and filmed her nipples uh and then put those on the pasties. What? <laughs> so why although she didn't actually perform naked, that actually is <laughs> herself <What>? naked. <laughs> that's
1: a lot of effort to get back to point A. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> so I was like, because apparently there's, you know, an uproar that oh, those it's obviously not her really there. The effects look a little funny. I'm like, how closely are you watching this movie, guys? (laughs) But no, apparently it really was her. (laughs) Wow. Okay. See, a fan of the comic book series would almost follow the filmmakers around, sort of a uh, touring with them, just trying to get the movie made and Stuff along those lines and helped with the website. They decided, well, we're going to give a chance for some of these fans to appear in the movie. So some of the background characters in the lunchroom scenes and stuff are fans that followed them around during the convention. <laughs> so it uh, I, I do not remember this comic book at all, for as popular as it sounds like it was.
2: Yeah, no kidding. I've <laughs> never even heard of it. At, yeah. Uh,
0: they did a sequel in 2017 called Bad Kids of the Crestview Academy. Not as well rated as this one, So, but I filmed in Austin, Texas. Back-to-back Texas movies for me for these last two weeks. Yeah. Hmm.
2: I have questions.
0: Oh, yes. I have <laughs> maybe
2: some answers. So uh, if this is a Scooby-Doo situation, we're mm-hmm. finding out that there is no supernatural. Right. Why are the, people, why are the kids um, getting an idea and then acting on it impulsively? That's, like I said, that's more from the comic book. The
0: comic book, I think, ends a little differently. Oh, okay. And I I realized I inserted the comic book stuff into the film. I see. And so...
2: (laughs) (laughs) That was a very unsatisfying answer. Yes, it is. Well, all right. Eric, I believe it
0: is your choice for this. yes, it is. And Mm. this is one that's brought to us from uh, a value-for-value buddy, Jamie. Amy. And uh, suggested a couple names and we went through those and well, I don't know, these are not as genres we want, but he came up with another one that is genre hero, oh, Barbara Crampton. Never heard of her. I know, <laughs> you'll learn. <laughs> so I would say we'll do a, a Barbara Crampton thing like we've done
2: Kurt Russell and uh, what else did we do? Crampton Comes Alive. That's no. the title of this next one. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, that, right, that, that'll work. Okay, so we're doing Barbara Crampton for our films next yep. week.
1: Fantastic. I would
2: I say love. probably pass on Reanimator, but beyond that... I think that's safe, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's easy enough.
2: Yeah. Fantastic, and that, uh, it, that means it's time to thank everybody who's participating in mm-hmm. the Value for Value model. It sure is working out well for us. I hope everybody yeah. is getting... Uh, you know, what they want out of this, and the way it works is whatever you get out of this, uh, give it back in some way. Yeah. Like and share the posts. Some people are donating money. Some people are donating whiskey. <laughs> that works. Yes.
1: Some people are right. donating art.
2: Some people are donating yes. art, yeah. And comfortable chairs. <laughs> exactly. So, um, we will also point out that there is an Etsy page, the Strange Yons Radio Etsy page, where you can get some lovely underwear, male or female. True.
1: I'm glad, I'm glad we got that taken care of, guys.
2: <laughs> uh, shirts and all that stuff. And then also Danny Williford has an Etsy page. He's got the coins available on yes. his page. Yeah. And I think he's got the Rob Corliss mm-hmm. art t-shirt that, uh, that had the bloody Strange Eons radio on the wall and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. I know one person was wearing that. Oh, yeah. Wade Chitwood was wearing oh. that. Nice. That's yeah. so cool. So, anyway, that is us thanking you profusely Mm -hmm. from the bottom of our hearts. We are coming back one week from today. We're talking Barbara Crampton, and we will see you then. Our show is recorded somewhere high above Naval Station Everett at the nexus of all realities and is engineered and produced by Eric Margaret. Our theme music is Strange Eons Part 1 by the band Nightshade and is used with permission. Find Strange Eons Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, wherever find podcasts are found.
1: I have no relevance to this <laughs> concept. <laughs>